Hits off to a hard, hot start on the recruiting trail in state, out of state, pretty much everywhere. Let's talk about it on today's episode of Locked On Pit. You are Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering the Pittsburgh Panthers. As always, I'm your host, Nick Fairbaugh. Today, joined by a very special guest, Locked On recruiting expert, John Garcia Jr. John's been a minute, but hey, football recruiting is hot here in Pittsburgh, so had to have you on. L- love to be back. Uh, yeah, love what Pitt's doing. My goodness, 10 verbal commitments, one of the biggest classes uh, in America at this point. So excited to, to dig into the future, of course. Yeah, and let's talk about that. This is an unheard of thing for Pitt. Usually they did their work in June. Well, it's apparently March is the new June. Ten commits here. We're not even at the end of March just yet. Just through spring practice this month alone, Pitt has landed eight commitments, um, five of those coming within the state of Pennsylvania. But tell me about this hot start. Is this a is this a Pitt kind of thing? Is this a Pitt only thing? Or is this a, something we're seeing that's kind of translating uh, nationwide where maybe it's a little bit different with the transfer portal NIL and, and maybe it's trickling down a little bit to high school recruiting and how, how teams are pushing for commitments and how early they are pushing for those commitments. I think it's a little bit of both, Nick. Uh, we're seeing teams go one of two ways, accelerate or really, really slow down. Um, obviously Pitt ha- has made their choice in, in the fork of the road uh, in this class of, 2024 i think the only bigger classes as we record this are georgia and lsu which are pretty understandable right you're talking about um obviously defending back-to-back champs and then lsu fertile recruiting state capitalizing on a better than expected 22 season and then there's Pitt. you know uh, i think this is an an era where you got to make your stance on one side of the coin or the other you understand both right you want to grab commits early if you're pit because one, you're identifying prospects that you like and trusting your own evaluations as opposed to looking around. Hey, hey, hey who's offered this kid? Who's offered this kid? No, you like the kid, you go get him. Pitt has always historically done that more than most, so you're seeing that conviction. And then secondly, you got to push for visits, right? If you, if you're going to do it close to home, maybe not so much, but if you're going to go outside of the footprint like Pitt has historically done. You got to get early visits from underclassmen or spring visits from these recruits. And and Pitt has done that part of it uh, as well. And and you see coming off of this past visit weekend, multiple verbal commitments. So so those visits are also resonating with recruits. The the opposite of that is is what some programs are doing because they don't know what their roster is going to look like. So they're playing it slow, uh, pushing for later visits rather than sooner, going to see how the portal dust settles. Um, so it looks like Pitt's going to try to do a combination of both where they, they still see how all that goes, but they're going to hit the gas in, in recruiting there simultaneously. And I love it. I think if you are trying to make new inroads or establish some old ones like Pitt looks like it's doing, this is the way to go. Trusting your gut from an evaluation perspective is always something I'm, I'm a big fan of. Um, and that's why Pitt has been able to, to land some huge commitments over the years, particularly early. Now, Holding on to them is a different conversation. We don't have to get into that today. But grabbing them early is is obviously the first huge step, and obviously that's happening in a big way. 
Yeah, it certainly has happened. Now, I do want to ask you, could this be a little bit of Pitt's momentum from back-to-back top 25 finishes maybe sifting in? You know, they had that ACC championship at 21, Kenny Pickett, Jordan Addison. And this past year, they go 9-4, win the Sun Bowl, defeat a top 25 team in UCLA. Um, So it's back-to-back top 25 finishes. Do you think that is maybe factoring in here? Are we finally seeing – remember last year when we talked all about the bump. Are we finally starting to see the bump? here on the south side i think so uh stability is something nick that comes up more and more as we talk to recruits i want to go to a program that is stable that's one of the first things that that kids are talking about and when you start putting together back-to-back strong seasons and in that kind of gradual ascent that's obviously a huge sign a tangible sign of stability and that's something that kids covet from the recruiting process, because even though the portals become crazy, I mean, there's so many words you could use for it. Kids don't want to go into their first college thinking, well, I'm just going to hit the portal. If it doesn't work out, they want stability. They want comfort. They want to go into something that, that they're going to know they're going forward. So the combination of winning and the stability within the coaching staff, I think all plays a huge part as, as to why Pitt is really picking up momentum earlier and earlier each recruiting cycle. Well, let's talk about where they're picking up momentum because this has been the surprise of the cycle. It's not in Florida. It's not in Georgia. It's not in Virginia. It's not in Ohio. It's it's at home. It's at home. They have five in-state commits all from across the state. They've got a Pittsburgh kid in Tyuhas. they got a guy from Erie. they got a few out in the eastern part. they got a few guys in the central part. So it is all over the map for Pitt right now in terms of their PA recruiting. This is a new development. What what about Pitt is allowing them to get in on these kids early in state that's allowing them to cash in on that success? I think you you got conviction. Uh, some of these kids jumped on board in 2022, right? So I think you had some foundation there, and obviously those guys are coming back to campus. Peer recruiting is clearly starting to factor in with the Panthers, and that's good. It's also a sign of a strong year within the state of, of Pennsylvania. I think we're getting a little bit of that on sprinkled on top of, of, of the great early gets uh, for the Panthers. But yeah, tangibly, you got to be excited, right? If you're a Pitt fan, because uh, I think last year, three in-staters signed with, with, with the program. And now you you've nearly doubled that and it's March. And like you said, there's, there's still potentially room for more spring verbal commitment. So I think that's a huge deal, but, but I'm a big fan of early commitments that, that stick, especially if they're from important places. So uh, obviously um, Jasir Whittington committing so early, nearly a year ago in this class. I think that's a huge, a huge step, big time program, right? Emotep Institute there in Philly. Um, All that stuff matters optically for, for recruits. So now putting that together as you, get into your normal recruiting calendar, bringing kids closer to home on visits as as much as possible, especially when spring ball is here, it only accelerates things because now that's more time with Narduzzi. I mean, Partridge is killing it as he does every single recruiting cycle. I mean, it's more time with these coaches and you're also seeing them in action. I think that is such an underrated element of spring visits because it's one thing to get a text message and a direct message and FaceTime with a coach who who wants you and he's telling you how great you are, all that fun stuff. It's a little different to see him with the whistle and sweating and drills with his his current roster because 
you're not recruited anymore when you're on the roster. It's just about, hey, I need my, my best guys here going forward. So it's going to be a little bit more gritty, a little bit more raw, a little bit more real. And there's a certain level of kid that really buys into that. And obviously we know about sort of the moniker of, of Pittsburgh area and, and those recruits sort, sort of embody that. So I think there's just a, an element of, of rawness that these kids are obviously liking when they go up to pit this spring because they've gotten what three or four commitments in the last week or so. Uh, and it looks like that momentum has been a big part of it. So I think that is another element of, of why this thing is sort of uh, hitting its, its high point earlier than, than most of us expected. March madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the locked on college basketball podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I want to keep talking about this in-state stuff, but first, folks, I want to let you know about FanDuel because FanDuel is the official sports book of Locked On, and there's no better place to get on the action than FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book, and that's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up today to get more and claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line, the point spreads, to which team will be cutting down the nets in the tournament. All on the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. All right, John, I want to get back into this because Pitt has some very interesting kind of footprints that they're getting into. Obviously, Whittington was out of Philly. It feels like Pitt never lands kids out of Philly. Yeah, that alone, huge. Exactly. And then they get a kid out of York, a kid out of Reading, essentially, today. Uh, Just got a kid out of Reading. They got a kid out of Pittsburgh and a kid out of Erie. So all five different areas. But let's go back to the very first recruit here, Jasir Whittington. He's been here for a while. He's been getting mentored by Kalaja Kansi, who's not a bad mentor to have by any means. But what do you see in Whittington's game? Well, you don't want to throw the Kansi comparisons out there too, too early here, but look, he's got this, this frame that suggests he should be a twitchy edge guy, which he shows on tape, but he's got this game that allows him to work inside as a guy that he's he's so good from a leverage and strength standpoint that you're like refreshing his bio. You're like, he's 255 because he's moving bodies at a relatively high rate. Uh, so I'm a big fan of him. He uses his hands incredibly well, plays on a lower plane at 6'2", 6'3". Uh, and I think he's got the body type and traits to where you can kind of go either way with it. Do you make him a hybrid who works inside out, you know, his entire collegiate career in the ACC or – Do you bulk him up and say, hey, go be the next one. Go be that next undersized interior defensive lineman who's going to be sort of hell on wheels from from a pass rushing perspective on the interior. Um, So so I I like a lot about Jasir's game. He's a pound-for-pound dog. I mean, he's a guy who plays much bigger than he is. I literally 
refreshed his bio. Like, are these old numbers that, that we're working with here? Because he plays like he's about 285, even though he's listed closer to 250. And that's a great sign, especially in, in this day and age, right? You're talking about multiple fronts, playing a different offense every week. One might want to run you to death. One might want to spread you to death. And Whittington's the type of guy who, independent of who you're playing, could make a similar impact because of his combination of quickness, strength, and I think hands at the point of, of contact. O-linemen just don't want to deal with this type of recruit. And I'm sure Charlie Partridge, his patented undersized guys, he loves those guys. It's, it's crazy. It's a mold that you, you don't want to mess with. It is, and Charlie has gotten consistent development out of those guys. Jalen Twyman, another guy before Kalaj Kansi. Obviously, Kansi is the golden standard right now of that. But there's another guy a little bit to the west of him. He's a running back, though, Jules Goff. Um, I know that when he committed, the pit staff was buzzing about him. He He's a, he's a track guy. Um, he's got some really good offers on his sheet. They thought this was a really good win. Uh, Jules Goff, a guy that – Penn State was was heavily recruiting, and he just went to Pitt anyways on junior day and committed. And you understand it, right? This is this is where you see, I think, the shift from the 21 team to the 22 team. It, it probably brought a whole lot of opinion, I'm sure, on your show, Nick. You, you had some some crazy comments and stuff. But this is where I think you see the, the, the high end of that, the plus side of maybe a philosophical change. Because now you're going to go out and get bell cow backs who can absolutely be the potential future focal point of your entire offense. And Goff has a lot of that in his game. I know he's a game breaker and he's known for that speed. There's a lot of intricate stuff that he does really well. Love his vision. He knows when to press the hole. He's very good laterally. Reminds me a little bit of Deion Lewis. I'm kind of in that direction with his game. Obviously a slew of, of pit running backs to choose from from, from yesteryear. But I'm in that campaign because he's a very good receiver out of the backfield, 2,000 total yards as a junior from York, as you mentioned. So he's playing good competition. Um, but, man, you wouldn't know it at some points in his tape because he's running away from defensive backs. And that's just something you, you can't coach. You either have it or you don't. So I think even in a situational role or as a number two or a counter to whoever the lead back is, earlier in, in, in Goff's career there uh, in Pittsburgh, I think he's got a, a lot of home run ability on the front end, but really he's got more intricacy than, than maybe that track profile would, would otherwise suggest. So yeah, that's a huge get. He's probably, he's probably your class headliner just from an, from an optics, especially a geographical perspective. This is your class headliner. This is a pit Panther here for sure. Um, and then conversely, I know Penn state is, is such a rival, when those guys are coveting running backs, it matters. You know, there's certain schools that have a cachet at certain positions, and it should con it should be considered when you talk about uh, recruiting rankings or any of that kind of stuff. And Goff being a priority for, for James Franklin's staff, I think, says a lot about his game as well. Uh, and it's kind of another layer of validation, although you don't have to watch a lot of this tape to feel pretty good uh, about this, this kid's uh, future. Certainly, you do not. Now, let, let me get to the newest recruit that Pitt had just committed today, Adam Abouraya, an interior lineman out of Exton, PA. Um, this is a big hog molly. Pitt's been recruiting the trenches. Six out of their ten commits are, are in the trenches. Um, but what do you see in Abouraya's game? I like the variance here. Uh, he, he's a guy who can absolutely be a mauler, but we see him getting to the second level. We see him playing in space really well nick and he's got this this frame six six 
275, whatever it is, where he, he can go one way or the other with, with the body type. I, I said that about uh, the defensive lineman, Whittington. Same kind of deal here. I, I love that. I think that's a very important element to offensive line development because whether he's a tackle or a guard at the next level, you can kind of push him and nudge him in either direction. And that's so important in building an offensive line, uh, especially with what Pitt just went through. We just talked about the schematic changes and how much that alters what you want at certain positions. A mauler who can get to the second level, I mean, that's what the doctor has ordered here for, for this current version of, of the Pitt Panthers. But he's lengthy enough and has enough athleticism what, from what we see on tape to become kind of a balanced guy who can, who could pass protect just the same. So I'm, I'm curious to see what his development looks like this offseason, maybe some camps, and then certainly as a senior to see if he could play a little bit more well-rounded. But if he's just what the floor presents, this is a mauler, strong run blocker um, that's going to be able to easily put on weight and, and play at 300 pounds there at the next level. Um, and, and you could kind of picture uh, a guy like Goff running behind this style of, of offensive lineman, for sure. Let's get the other big boy here. Giovanni Cooley, he's out of Erie. We know Pitt's a... Pitt, some of the guys that have come out of Erie uh, for Pitt have, have been pretty good. Uh, James Conner, obviously, for one. But Cooley, a guy doesn't have many offers. Uh, actually, Pitt's the only Power 5 offer here. He jumps all over it. Why did Pitt take a chance on Cooley? We, we saw this last cycle with, with a couple of guys. The frame here is immense. The length, the wingspan. I think it tells you that Pitt is certainly confident in, in its offensive line development because this, this is more of a raw, blank slate. Uh, compared to, to today's verbal commitment. So I do think that Pitt is trusting the frame here, the athleticism that Cooley has put on tape. Uh, he, yeah, he's a little bit all over the place mechanically and technically, but those are things you can clean up. And again, that goes with my original point today. Have conviction with the guys that you like. If you see enough to say, hey, with the right coaching, the right push, this guy can become that. And all of a sudden you've got your next fill in the blank. But that is across the board what Pitt has has become known for, right? I mean, they've signed big level, high level prospects. You know, you're obviously Larry Fitzgeralds, Jonathan Baldwin's, these high level recruits that everybody loved at a high school. But it, even more so, they've developed these kind of diamonds in the rough that they have created into you know first round draft picks or all pro type NFL players. And I think that conviction in the evaluation is the first true step in that process, especially when no other power fives are on board. If this was December, I'd probably have a little bit more caution with this type of take, but it's March. So it's, this is the type of recruit that when he does get in front of other coaches and he does grow a little bit and he does start to take steps in his development, other schools are going to inquire about, and they're going to be like, Oh no, he committed a pit back in March. You know? So I do think that's an interesting time of year to, to take a gamble, a quote unquote gamble, like this on a Giovanni Cooley, but I love the frame. I love the raw athleticism. Let's see if he could polish it up and, and just be another one of those great pit, I guess, projects. We'll call them pit projects that have worked out just so very well under this administration and even previous ones. Pit projects. That's a good ring to it. Uh, let, let me talk about Ty Uhas, the guy from Pittsburgh Central Catholic. That is a clear uh, battleground for Plenty of guys have come out of there for Pitt, Dan Marino. Um, obviously, Elliot Donald is currently on the roster from Central. Uhas, not a guy with a lot of offers, but he, this is a guy that Pitt saw in their own backyard, offered, and he committed basically right after. What do you see in Ty Uhas as a guy that this team is really excited about? 
Yeah, a little bit more straightforwardness in this game, and that's a great thing. You know, he, he's got – first of all, he's got some length to him where I think he's going to add a little bit more bulk to his frame, but he's probably still uh, destined to play there on the defensive interior. But he he's one who carries his weight so well. He's he's sort of the opposite of Whittington where I'm like, this guy looks, looks and plays a whole lot bigger. This is the opposite with Ty. You're like – He's 260 pounds, but he looks he looks lean. He looks like he's carrying that frame so very well, uh, which is a great sign. It means he's, his limbs are long and he's got a strong foundational core. So that's the stuff that translates particularly in the trenches. So I think his game reflects that to a degree. He's very much more uh, linear in terms of, of what he does well right now but he does the little things well on top of it he, he comes off on a low plane plays with great leverage the motor is rock solid here as well and i think there's still a lot of room for him to grow as, as a prospect uh both both in terms of his actual frame and, and even with some of his his skill set but there's some explosiveness here in short areas that that i think a lot of pit fans will like down the road i'm just curious here particularly with the frame, I, I think you bulk him up and make him a, a true, almost classic interior defensive lineman, but not mad at this grab at all, especially with a kid who's a little bit closer to home. That That's important optically. That's important in, in trying to build build something back locally here going forward because, like you've mentioned so many times, that's something that's been a little hit or miss uh, under Pat Narduzzi in particular. Yeah, and certainly many Whippeal recruits I'm sure we'll talk about in this uh, cycle to look at with the Quentin Martins of the world still out there and pit in hot pursuit of those guys. But I want to go down to your neck of the woods. And one of these commits did come from Florida, Hollywood, Florida, to be specific. Zachary Crothers, you look at the guy's production, it's absurd. Um, just talk me through what Zachary Crothers and what, what Pitt can expect here out of a guy that they look on the edge it feels like this is a classic charlie partridge grab from south florida it really is this is a guy that you'd go watch shamanad play on friday night shamanad is one of the preeminent schools in the country much less in the state of florida back-to-back uh, -back state champs uh, a ton of winning a ton of high profile games under their belt every single year you go to watch them play and you notice so many no-brainer elite recruits and then you see Zach and you're just like that kid just keeps making plays and it's just like sometimes we get so caught up in the height weight and all that stuff kind of game in this business but you look up and Crothers has 25 tackles for loss 15 sacks for one of the best high school teams in the country and you're like hold on now there's a whole lot of snap quickness off the line of scrimmage he could work a wide technique he can work the outside shoulder of a tackle and set the edge which is an underrated element of of edge prospects we always talk about pass rushing zach can actually set the edge and, and help your run defense help those linebackers uh collapse these these running lanes in particular but make no mistake you're talking about what 40 stops behind the line of scrimmage, you know, including sacks and tackles for loss, playing truly elite football in South Florida. So, you know, he's going against power five players every single Friday night. Um, but, but again, kind of undersized, a guy that you, he's not the first guy off the bus that, that you notice there at Chaminade. So his recruitment took a little bit longer to get going. But lo and behold, just like we talked about with a couple other guys here, he comes up and takes a visit to Pitt, and he's kind of done. It's like, that's it. I'm good. I know where I'm going. I think his tweet said he's like 7,000% verbally committed. Um, those are the kind of guys you love because Pitt 
saw enough in the evaluation to to go all in on it. And folks down here have been asking for it, for more Power 5 schools to do so. I think Minnesota, a couple other schools uh, had jumped in. Pitt saw enough, got them on campus for a visit, and that was it. Before Crothers kind of takes the next step or would have taken the next step in his recruitment where he gets seen a little bit more during spring football in the month of May and the evaluation period. He hits some combines this offseason, and you're like, Who, who's this Zach Crothers guy? Again, that conversation is going to circle back to, well, yeah, Pitt saw enough earlier than most schools and, and got him locked in in the process. And a kid like that, I think, is going to sort of lean on that. Even as other offers, other Power Five, even ACC offers come in, I think that's going to be something that's a sticking point in the Crothers recruitment here, depending on how it goes uh, here into the future. But love this get. You cannot deny the production. I love his quickness, lateral ability, and that ability to set the edge. Again, underrated when we talk about pass rushers. Because, look, you're not throwing every down. You're cert- you're throwing more than you're running. But, you know, these RPOs and, and these, these read situations where defensive ends have to make a decision quickly – and then be reactive, that is probably one of the strengths of, of Crothers' game, and that's obviously important in, in any Power 5 conference, uh, including the ACC. Certainly. And, and two from Florida, obviously, right now. There's Day-Day Farmer, too, who we'll talk about, I'm sure. Uh, he is. You talked about Jules Goff as the crown jewel. In terms of star rings, it's, it's Farmer at the top. Right. But we'll get into him another day. He's got a whole episode dedicated to himself. I'm sure Pitt's in a battle, but they got him very early. But I just want to ask you one last question. Kind of landing guys like Goff, landing guys like Farmer, um, Whittington. Um, we're talking about these guys very early on uh, that have high-level offer sheets that Pitt has just beat out anyways. I, I know you talked about Crothers. I, I, I've heard you know Florida State was beaming around there a little bit, and Pitt snapped them up before he even went there. So what does it mean to you that Pitt is, is nabbing up guys like Day-Day Farmer and Jules Goff and Zachary Crothers and all these guys that have offers from legitimate schools, power five schools, and they're just calling it a day. I think, again, it's it's the conviction. You know, Pitt being able to move and prioritize these guys earlier than schools in, in Day-Day's case and certainly in Zach's case closer to home, that conviction can really go a long way in this day and age. And, and like you said, the high school recruits that we deal with mostly now are very aware. Everybody knows about the portal. Everybody knows about the windows where, hey, want to jump in and claim this spot. This is a good time to do it. And this is a stable place to do it at. That, that cell becomes more impressive other than, hey, 21 was just going to be this flash in the pan breakout season for everybody. And then you come back down to earth and go seven and five or six and six. And everybody's just like, okay, yeah, Pitt is back to – back to something else, but following it up with more success, even with such an overhaul schematically and personnel-wise, it starts to say a, a whole lot. And then, look, defensively, I just think I just think Pitt is on a different level, defensive recruiting versus offensive. I just think they're going to be able to hit a higher clip. And the Kalaja Kansies of the world and other South Floridian, those guys are only going to further that narrative, That especially on defense – you can really get a lot done uh, there uh, at Pitt. So I expect uh, another strong recruiting class, of course. Yeah, off to a strong start. We'll see if uh, you get more this week. I never know. With with scrimmage number two, I'm sure some guys are going to be on campus. We'll see if Pat Narduzzi and his staff can wing in any more. But, John, as always, thanks for coming on. Tell them where they could follow you, read your stuff, all of that great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Real easy to find on Twitter. Just my name, John Garcia underscore JR. And any links will, will be on there, including many here on, on the Locked On Network, of course. 
All right, folks, as always, thank you for listening to the Locked on Pit podcast as we ended here as always. Hail 